Welcome to the Preaching Podcast. I'm Paul Robinson, and I hope you're doing well today. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great message for you. This message is, well, it's about stubbornness. <laughs> Do you know any stubborn people in your lives? Maybe you yourself are stubborn, you know? Uh, and, and you know that old saying, you're as stubborn as a mule. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today because we're going to... The uh, biblical account we have today actually involves a donkey. So there you go. Um, but I, I, this is a very good message, and I think it's a, a very helpful message. And this message has to do with stubbornness, surrender, and it also ties back into the Word of God. So I know that it's going to be a blessing, so uh, be sure to pay attention. And uh, anyways, without further ado, here's the message, The Stubborn Prophet and the Surrendered Donkey. Donkeys are usually associated with a specific character trait. You probably know what that is, right? They're stubborn. Unlike a horse who's happy to roam around, a donkey can get to the point where he refuses to budge. You can push him, prod him, poke him, but he won't budge. But is he actually being stubborn? Well, we're going to find out a little bit later in the message, so stay, stay tuned about that. The truth is there is no one on God green's, God's green earth that is more stubborn than people. All right, you, you and me. Uh, perhaps this is best illustrated in the account of Balak and Balaam, two stubborn men who couldn't get their way, and a talking donkey who had more common sense than both of them. And so tonight what I want to do is uh, look at an overview of this story, which is actually Numbers 22, 23, and 24, uh, thus the overview, right? We're going to do an overview, and then we're going to go into more detail on a few points. So let, let's look at an overview of what happened here. Well, the story begins in the land of Moab. The children of Israel were on their way to the promised land. When the king of Moab, Balak, saw the children of Israel, he was distressed. He heard that they defeated the Amorites, and he saw how huge they were, a vast number. They, he, it says they, they covered the earth. And, and, he, and he looked at them and thought, well, we can't take them on. You know, he, he knew that they could not, uh, the Moabites could not defeat them militarily. And so he decided to employ a famous diviner, Balaam, son of Beor. Balaam was from the city of Pethor, which was close to the great city Mari. And it is believed that Mari had a cult of prophets and seers who would perform incantations for the right price. So these were false prophets, they were prophets for hire, and yeah, they were hired to bless or to curse, all right? So Balak hired Balaam to do just one thing, he wanted him to curse these people, curse the nation of Israel. Well, Balaam responded that he would seek the will of the Lord. Now, remember, he's a pagan prophet, so, so what's, what's going on here? Well, this was in keeping with the pagans' general spirit of broad-mindedness, and the recognition that a people's own gods had the greatest power over them for good or bad. So it was common for these, these prophets to try to seek the will of the, the, the God of these, of these people. All right, So that's what he's doing. Uh, so Balaam attempted to establish contact with Israel's God. Well, God was very gracious, wasn't he? God was gracious in answering Balaam. And his answer was clear. And we see it again in verse 12 where he says, thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. 
Well, that's a pretty clear answer, isn't it? His answer, hey, nope, you're not going to curse them. These are blessed people. Very clear. So Balaam told the delegation that he couldn't curse the people. When Balak heard this, he was not pleased. He sent an elite group to Balaam, and he promised great riches, great honor, if Balaam would curse Israel. And right there, Balaam should have refused, but instead he replied, let me see what the Lord wants. Well, God had already given his answer, but this time God said that Balaam had permission to go with them, but he had to speak only the words that God wanted him to speak. Well, in the morning, Balaam, he got on his donkey, and he started the journey. God wanted Balaam to go in order to speak his word to Balak, but that's not why Balaam was going, which angered the Lord. Balaam simply wanted the money and the honor. All right, remember, he's a prophet for hire. He wanted money. He wanted fame. This is the part that we're all familiar with, isn't it? The part of the story we've all heard many times. Balaam's donkey got spooked by something, and he went the wrong way, which caused harm to Balaam. And this actually happened three times. Three times. And so uh, after smacking her three times, the donkey said to Balaam, Hey, what's the big idea? I've got feelings too, you know. I mean, can you imagine that donkey talking? Now, now it's pretty amazing. Uh, just imagine uh, your dog or your cat or your parrot. Okay, uh, scratch the parrot, actually. Uh, your pets. Just imagine if they suddenly started talking to you, you know. Uh, your cat says, hey, can you clean the litter box? I'm not going in there again. You'd be shocked, right? You'd be like, what's going on? Or your dog starts talking to you and says, uh, I think it's about time for a walk now, please. Come on. You know, you'd be shocked. You'd be dumbfounded. What's going on? And what's funny here is the fact that um, Balaam doesn't respond that way. The donkey talks to him, and he just talks right back to the donkey. You know? Donkey says, hey, why are you hitting me? I don't deserve it. And, and, and Balaam says, no, you deserve it. What are you doing? So uh, it, it, it's, quite, it's quite hilarious. It's one of those things. Now, when Balaam, uh, it, it's, um, Balaam finally makes it to the king of Moab. We're, we're going to talk more about the donkey in a little bit, so we're just going to keep moving with the story. Balaam uh, finally makes it to the king of Moab, and he prepares seven altars, and he sacrifices bullocks and rams, all right? So he, he makes these sacrifices. Uh, he, he probably knew that these were the sacrifices that Israel usually performed uh, for their God. And Balak was excited for the curse. But notice, instead, what happens. Look at Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23, starting in verse 7. It says, And he took up his parable, this is Balaam, and said, Balak the king of Moab hath brought me from Aram, out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse, whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. Okay? That was his prophecy. Uh, that wasn't a curse. That was a blessing. And so Balak turns and says, what are you doing? Well, you just blessed these people. 
that's not what I hired you to do. And so he was not pleased. Uh, But that's not the end of the story. Balak brought the prophet to the top of Mount Pisgah, where he would be able to see a large portion of the people out over the land. He could curse them from there. Uh, Balaam once again set up altars and asked God for direction. God gave his word, and Balaam spoke it. Now I want you to look at Numbers chapter 23, starting in verse 18. So here's another, another prophecy, verse 18. And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eateth the prey, and drink the blood of the slain. All right, well, there's another blessing for you. And so this time Balak says, hey, don't curse them or bless them. Just stop. What are you doing? And he he must have been so frustrated once again because he didn't get what he wanted. He, he, He didn't get to have him curse the people. Oh, but that's not the end of the story. Balak brought the prophet to the top of Peor in order to, again, try to curse Israel. Balaam, again, built seven altars. Are you getting deja vu? Balak must have thought, okay, this time it's going to be different. All right, I know it. They're going to get cursed this time. I just know it. But this time, Balaam didn't use his typical enchantments. Instead, he just simply looked out over the tribes of Israel, and the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him. Now let's look at Numbers chapter 24, chapter 24, starting in verse 3. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Beor, has said, and the man whose eyes are open has said, he has said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel, as the valleys are, they spread forth, as the gardens by the river's side, as the trees of line aloes, which the Lord has planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. And his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones, and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion. And as a great lion, who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, There's another blessing for you, okay? Another blessing. That's an exciting prophecy right there. And Balak, once again, was not happy. Oh, but that's not the end of the story. Balaam was used by God to give one last prophecy in which he prophesied the destruction of the destruction of the surrounding heathen nations. He even gave a prophecy about the Messiah. Notice chapter 24 and verse 17. Uh, this, is, this is a great verse. It says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, 
and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. All right, so right there we have a prophecy about the Messiah. Now, I imagine Balak was, at this point, he was plugging his ears, right? Like, oh, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want anything to do with it, right? He was probably so frustrated. Once he was finally done, Balaam, he went back to his home, and Balak went to his home, probably stewing in anger, right? Thinking, I just wasted all my time. Look at everything I tried to do here. I wanted these people cursed, and they're blessed instead. All right, frustrating. Oh, but that's not the end of the story. Numbers 25 records that the children of Israel fell into sexual immorality with Moabite women. This led to the worship of Baal Peor. God was so angry with Israel that he slew 24,000 Israelites with the plague. And who was the cause of this great sin? Guess who? It was Balaam, son of Beor. Look at Numbers 31.16. Numbers 31.16. It says, Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. All right, so Balaam was the one who counseled, he, he was the counsel. He was the one that said, Hey, and he, and he, and he, uh, he was that little whisper in, in Balak's ear, and, and he was the one that, that caused Israel to sin, that, that caused them to, to uh, you know, hook up with the Moabite women. And it was a great trespass, and all these people were killed because of, uh, from God's wrath, because of this great sin. But that's not the end of the story. Shortly after this, Israel went to war against the Midianites, killing all of the Midianite men. Uh, look at Numbers 31 and verse 8. 31 verse 8, it says, And they slew the kings of Midian, beside the rest of them that were slain, namely, Evi, and Rechem, and Zer, and Hur, and Reba, five kings of Midian. And then notice this, Balaam also, the son of Beor, they slew with the sword. What was Balaam doing with the Midianites? Well, perhaps he was hired by them to do some enchantments. I don't know, Maybe. But it is ironic that the people Balaam had blessed three times were the same people that killed him. They slew him. And he died with a bunch of pagan Midianites slain by the people of God. And that's the end of the story there with Balaam. All right. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there. I know that. And so what we're going to do tonight is I want you to notice three major truths from this account. Three major truths tonight. First, I want to notice the stubbornness of man. The stubbornness of man. Both Balak and Balaam were stubborn. They wanted their own way. Balak refused to give up on having Balaam curse Israel. He thought that a change of scenery would change the outcome. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Okay, well, all right, you bless the people here, but Let's go over to this mountain. Maybe it'll work there. All right, all right, you bless the people again. Hey, let's go over to this mountain. Maybe it'll work there. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? It really is. He was stubborn. And then Balaam refused to say enough to the king of Moab because he really wanted that money and that honor. Now, if you read the accounts, you'll, you'll see Balaam saying again uh, over and over to, to uh, Balak. You'll see him saying, said I not unto thee that I... I cannot go against the word of the Lord. You know, he, he kept saying that. Well, I can only speak what God tells me to speak, but 
He, he kept going along with what the king of Moab wanted because he wanted the money. He, he wanted the wealth and the fame. Uh, remember, he was a prophet for hire. He was greedy and he was corrupt. In his book, Changed into His Image, Jim Berg talks about our stubborn bent to sin. He calls it getting your own way. And notice what he, what, what he says here from the book, and I quote, Our biggest problem is not the environment in which we've been reared. It is not the evil that has been done to us by others. It is not the limitations we feel so acutely. Our biggest problem is a heart that wants its own way in opposition to God's way. That's the problem. Now consider these verses in which God targets man's own way as his most basic problem. Now go ahead and write down these references. If you're taking notes, we don't have time to look them up. But write down these references because there's, there's a whole bunch of them. Judges 17.6. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Psalm 81.12. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Uh, Proverbs 12.15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 28, 26, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Romans 12, 16, be not wise in your own conceits. Philippians 2, 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. 2 Timothy 3, 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Jude 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. Well, it sure sounds like we have a problem with uh, trying to get our own way, doesn't it? Because that's all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, we see man trying to get his own way, trying to go his own way. We see the stubbornness of man all throughout the Bible. We don't want to go God's way. We want to go our own way. We want to go the direction of our own heart. Hey, hey you better watch out because our culture says, follow your heart. Follow your heart. I, I just read... Proverbs 28, 26, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And how many times do you hear that today from the world? How many people out there are following their own heart? Well, you know, this feels right, so I'm going to do that. I think this is okay, and, and it just feels right, you know? It just feels right. It's so dangerous. You're going your own way instead of God's way. Uh, God's way is right here in this book. Is God's way. There are plenty of stubborn individuals throughout the whole Bible, but perhaps none are as stubborn as the children of Israel. Isn't that ironic? Nobody's more stubborn than God's, God's people. The chosen people of God, very stubborn. Uh, turn your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7, I want you to notice a couple verses here about the stubbornness of Israel. Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 23 and 24. It says, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. Wow, that sounds great. But then notice what it says. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. 
You know what? God calls his own people a rebellious people. He calls them a stiff-necked people. In other words, they were stubborn. They wanted their own way. God says over and over, if you read uh, the major prophets, well, any of the prophets, you, you read the, the, the major prophets, the minor prophets, and what, what do we see? We see a, a prophet of God saying, hey, turn back to God. Turn back to God. God wants to bless you. God wants to enrich you. God wants to bless your families. He wants to bless your land. He, he wants to turn back to God. And, and what, is, what happens? Well, time and time again, it says, but the people hearken not. In fact, they, they grabbed those prophets. They beat them up. They threw them. Jeremiah was thrown into a pit. They said, we don't want to hear what God says. Hey, hey Jeremiah, can you change your message? Because we, we don't like that. That can't be what God wants. They were stubborn. They wanted their own way. And you know what? We are no different. Many times we know that God's way is best, and yet we still refuse it. Well, I, you know, I know I should be reading the Bible today, but I just got so many things on my schedule. I just don't have time. Oh, I don't have time to pray. I'm so sorry, Lord. Uh, Lord, do you understand? I, I just don't have time to pray today. You know, I know I need to witness to my neighbor. You know, I, I, I just don't have, you know, I, I don't want to do that. It makes me uncomfortable, you know. Uh, you know, I, I know I should be going to church, but I, I am really busy. I just can't make time for church. I'm sorry, maybe next week. Well, I know I should be going to Sunday school, but I, I just I need that extra sleep, and so I'm not going to... Boy, I, I, I know I, I should be handing out tracts. That's the least I can do, but I, it just really makes me feel uncomfortable. I, I'm worried about what people are thinking. You know, do you see how stubborn we can be? We can be very stubborn because we want our own way. We want what we want. We're very selfish. It, it's really at the core of our nature, a great selfishness that, that you know... Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's what kids have. You know, kids have their toys, and they say, mine, mine. And uh, we never really grow out of that mine attitude, do we? we? We still want what we want. We want our own way. And, you know, that, that's just so dangerous. It's just so dangerous. And many times we're very stubborn, and we don't even realize it. We need to wake up to how stubborn uh, we've become. And so that's the first thing we see tonight. The first major point is the stubbornness of man. All right? And, and I think we all know that's true. You don't need to hammer that anymore. But I want you to notice, secondly tonight, the common sense of the donkey. The common sense of the donkey. All right? So let's look back at Numbers chapter 22. And we're going to read uh, what happens here. Numbers chapter 22, starting in verse, verse 22. It says, and God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side, and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself under the wall, and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further, and stood in a narrow place, where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. All right. So, you know, you, you know what happened here is it was fear. Fear caused the donkey to go off the path 
uh, because the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. God allowed that donkey to see that, and so it really was fear that caused that. And you know what? Sometimes fear is a good thing, right? Fear can be a good thing. So was the donkey being stubborn? Well, no, not at all. It was simply acting out of self-preservation. According to Ben Hart of the Donkey Sanctuary in the UK, a donkey will often freeze in place when he senses danger. He won't move a single step until he figures out the safest action. His habit of stopping and thinking rather than running is one of his survival means. Okay? So the donkey was really thinking, hey, I don't like that guy. Uh, I think I'm just going to stay here because that's a scary guy and is you know self-preservation uh so so that's what the donkey was doing now i want you to notice next uh, uh verse 28 let's pick up with verse 28 and keep reading and the lord opened the mouth of the ass and she said to balaam what have i done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times and balaam was shocked that the ass spoke no i'm just kidding that's not what it said balaam said unto the ass because thou hast mocked me I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. All right, so really the donkey made a pretty good argument to uh, Balaam. And the donkey really saved his life. Uh, the donkey says, well, I've always been your donkey, you know, ever since I was a little baby donkey. I probably have a word for baby donkey. I don't even know what it is. But he says, I've always been your donkey. Have I ever done this to you before? And he's like, well, now that you mention it, no, no, you haven't. No, you haven't done that before. So maybe I have a good reason for doing it, right? I mean, all right, so this donkey is uh, making sense, you know. And the truth is, Balaam was acting more like a donkey than the actual donkey. All right? Because Balaam was the one who was being stubborn, not the donkey. Now, let's pick up in verse 32. Look at verses 32 and 33. It says, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. Wow. So, so God commended the donkey. God said, hey, that's a smart donkey there you got because just saved your life. I would have slain you and saved the donkey because the donkey's got more common sense than you. You are the stubborn one, Balaam. And so the donkey was actually exhibiting a biblical truth found in Proverbs 22, 3. It says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know what? The stubborn will often pass on as well. Balaam's life was spared because of his prudent donkey. You know what? It's really sad, isn't it? It's sad when animals put us to shame. The prophet Isaiah had to admit that animals had more sense than God's people in Isaiah 1 and verse, chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. 
when someone is being stubborn, they have cast aside common sense. Often businesses, marriages, and entire nations will go astray because someone stubbornly wanted their own way or their own agenda. They refused to budge. They simply went forward with their plan and they suffered the consequences. Because really, that's what being stubborn, that's all it gets you, right? Being stubborn, wanting your own way, all it gets you is the consequences, punishment. That's all it gets you. You know what? We need common sense. And for the Christian, common sense is Bible sense. What does the Bible say? That's how I'm going to live. That's the only sense I need is the Word of God. And so we see, we see the stubbornness of man, the stubbornness of the prophet Balaam. And then we see the common sense of the donkey. The donkey actually saved his life. The donkey was commended by God. That's pretty amazing. But finally tonight, I want you to notice number three, the authority of the Word of God. Notice throughout this story that God never changed His Word. Balak tried three attempts to get Balaam to curse Israel, and yet every time he blessed them, the Word of God overruled the agenda of man. Nothing swayed God. The enchantments didn't. The sacrificing on the altars didn't. The change of locations didn't. No amount of effort can stop God's word. And what's amazing is that God used a false prophet to speak prophecies concerning Israel, its enemies, and even the Messiah. The Spirit of God came upon Balaam, and the very words of God came out of his mouth. This didn't happen because Balaam was a great man of God. Oh, no, he was a despicable pagan prophet. No, this happened because the word of God cannot be stopped. You know what? Our country right now is in great turmoil, isn't it? Many of our leaders hate God. They hate the Bible, and they even despise everything our nation stands for. They even hate our flag, the American flag. But despite all of that, don't forget that the word of God cannot be stopped. Even the stubbornness of man cannot stop the powerful word of God. You know what? This is not the time to give up. This is the time to speak up. We need to proclaim the word of God because there is power in the word. There's power in the word. It is not my words or your words. It is God's word, the word of God. As we close tonight, let's look at uh, the only three times in the New Testament where Balaam is mentioned. This is very interesting. Balaam is mentioned just three times in the New Testament. So take your Bibles, turn to first to 2 Peter 2.15. 2 Peter 2.15. And notice it says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So here we have the way of Balaam. What's the way of Balaam? Well, it's greed and covetousness. That's the way of Balaam because that's what he lived for. He was a prophet for hire. He was, he was what the Bible called a, a soothsayer. You know, he used enchantments and all kinds of stuff. You know, and, and, and he was one of those, uh, you know... Uh, 
I can get to know any people and any God, you know, again, because he tried to, he, he tried to uh, get to know the God of Israel. So a- any kind of people, he would try to get to know those people, maybe uh, get to know their God and try to pray to their God. And so, but, you know, all of it was because he wanted that money. All right. He was greedy. So the way of Balaam would be the way of greed and covetousness. All right. And again, very stubborn. You know, uh, greedy people are very stubborn, aren't they? They'll do anything to get money. They'll do anything to make a fast buck when you're greedy. So that's the first thing, the way of Balaam. And then uh, go to Jude. Jude verse 11. Jude verse 11 for the next one. And it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. So here we have the error of Balaam. What's that? Well, that is living for reward. Living for reward. No, well, not the reward of God. Not living for eternal rewards. Not living for God's blessing. No, living for the reward of wealth and money. That kind of reward. In fact, it says right there, ran greedily after the error of Balaam. So there's greed again, because greed is what fuels that, that passion and that desire to live for reward. I mean, how many people out in the world are living for their paycheck, right? They're living for money. I, I mean, I, I don't think anything is more tempting to us than money, because money is what we need. Of course, we need money to live, right? But money is what we need in order to buy things and get stuff. Boy, that that new car, that new house, or whatever it might be. Jewelry, diamonds, all that good stuff. So we need money for that. But guess what? If you're living your life pursuing that reward, pursuing that paycheck, pursuing money, that's the error of Balaam right there. That's the error of Balaam. Now, I want you to notice also there's uh, two other stubborn men are mentioned in this verse. We have Cain and Kor, or Korah. Now, those are some stubborn men. If you remember Cain, uh, Cain and Abel, God, God required that they bring a blood sacrifice, uh, slay a lamb, and Cain didn't want to. Cain said, no, I'm going I'm to bring you the fruit of my hands. That should be good enough for you. I'm going to uh, grow fruit, and I'm going to bring it to you. And, and God had to talk with Cain, and he said, no, Cain, that's not what I want. That's not what I require. But Cain was stubborn. Cain didn't submit. Cain didn't say, all right, oh, that's not what, okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you want. No, he didn't submit. He said, no, this is what I want. And then he became jealous of Abel, and he killed Abel. Why? Because he was stubborn. He wasn't willing to surrender to God. And then we have Korah, if you remember Korah in the book of Numbers. Uh, Korah became jealous of Moses, and he said, hey, does God only speak through Moses? Doesn't he speak through us too? You know, what's, what's so hot about Moses? And so he, he became jealous of Moses, and he got his little group together in there. Yeah, that's right, Moses. Yeah. Come on, Moses. It's all about Moses. And uh, God said, hey, uh, why don't you come down here, and uh, let's just divide everybody. Uh, separate. Would you separate from them? And I'm going to show you who my leader is. And the Bible says that the earth uh, opened up, its mouth swallowed them up. Korah and all of his group. All right? And why? Because they were stubborn. They were stubborn. They, they really thought, hey, we deserve that too, Moses. Uh, Moses is getting all the recognition. 
what Moses, he, he's got a special, uh, what, what, we deserve it too. And so they, they had that uh, stubborn attitude and uh, God took care of them. Uh, you notice all these stubborn people, bad things happen to them, don't they? Bad things happen. Uh, all right, so we've got the way of Balaam. It's greed. The error of Balaam, living for reward. And then finally go to Revelation 2.14. Revelation 2.14 to see the last thing here. Revelation 2.14 says, But I have a few things against thee. Here's Jesus speaking. I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So here we have the doctrine of Balaam. What's that? Well, I would say that would be pursuing pleasure. And here he's got, he mentions idolatry, and fornication. And it says he was a stumbling block to the children of Israel because he was the cause of that sin. Boy, that is serious, isn't it? That's very serious when you are a cause of someone's sin, when you pull them down into sin. Uh, and and, and you, know, you know who often does that? You know who are often the people that pull other people into sin? It's the stubborn. In fact, the book of Proverbs talks about scorners because scorners, they hate the truth. They hate instruction. But not only that, the scorners want to find other people and they want to pull them into sin too. They, they want to make other people scorners too. Uh, they they, they want to pull them into sin. They want to pull them out. They, they want to pull them away from the Lord. Boy, scorners, they're stubborn as well. They're, in fact, the Bible says, just cast out the scorner. Hey, there's nothing you can do about a scorner. Just cast them out. Get rid of them. All right? Because the scorners are just going to make more problems. And so there's the doctrine of Balaam. Again, pursuing sin, pursuing pleasure. You know, the, I, I'm using the word pleasure, but I'm talking about some sinful pleasure. Serving your own flesh. Idolatry and fornication. So we see here Balaam. You know, Balaam, again, remember, he was a prophet, but not a prophet of God. He was a false prophet, a pagan prophet, and the Bible has nothing good to say about him. Nothing good. These are the only three times he's mentioned in the New Testament, and every single time, it's a warning. It's a warning. Hey, beware of the way of Balaam. Beware of the error of Balaam. Beware of the doctrine of Balaam. Hey, don't be like Balaam. Hey, remember Balaam. He's a warning to all of us. And so let me encourage you tonight to be very careful of a stubborn response to God's word. Stubbornness. You know what? Stubbornness leads down the path to backsliding. A backslider is nothing more than someone who refused to do it God's way. Soon the refusal leads to neglecting Bible reading and prayer and attending church. Before long, they're on a completely different path going in their own direction. Even worse, backsliders will often refuse to come back to God. They'll refuse. You might go after them. You might be thinking of someone right now, oh, they used to be in church, they used to be on fire for God, they used to love the Lord, and now you talk to them and they want nothing to do with God. Hey, don't talk to me about the Bible. I don't want to hear about that. Hey, no, I don't want to come to church. You know I don't want to come to church. Why would you even mention that? They're completely backslidden. You know what? They're stubborn. They're stubborn. 
They don't want to come back. Down deep inside, they probably know that they need to come back. But they don't want to. Well, the opposite of stubbornness is surrender. Surrender. Like the donkey. Be, be like the donkey. How, how many times do you hear that in a message? Like the donkey, don't go in the direction that God forbids. The, the donkey had enough sense to... I'm not going there. The donkey had enough sense... Ooh, I'm going to stop here. Uh, ooh, I'm staying away from that. You know, that donkey had some sense. Even though he was just a stupid animal. He had more sense than Balaam. And so be careful to follow God's way. Be surrendered to whatever God has for you. And submit submit to the authority of God for it. Amen. You know what? We can all be very stubborn at times, right? We all have that tendency, you know. The Bible says the children of Israel, they were stiff-necked. They hardened their necks. And that, that actually, it, you can become so stubborn that you, you, physically, you, you, you physically tense up. You, you, you harden your, your body and become tense. And that's what we do to God sometimes, right? When we're as stubborn as a donkey. It's amazing the story of Balaam. Um, Balaam was more of a donkey than the actual donkey. His donkey was actually surrendered. You know, he was doing the right thing. But Balaam, he was a stubborn one. And so it's so important that we surrender to God's will and that we submit to the word of God. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I sure hope that was a blessing today. Now, uh, very important, be sure to go to paulrobinsonbooks.com. And if you haven't yet, sign up for my newsletter. Okay, my newsletter, you can sign up at the website. Um, there's a little form. All you got to do is give me your email. And there's a form. Uh, well, on the bottom of most of the pages, that's where you can find the form on the website. So please sign up for the newsletter. And I'm very excited to announce my new book very soon. Stay tuned. It's going to be great. Very excited. Uh, I finished writing it. We just got a, you know some final things there. Also, the Preaching Podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts and on iHeart uh, Podcasts. All right, so you can find it there. You can listen to it there. Please, 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 please go to Apple Podcasts and and give me a five star review and say something about the show, and uh, that would really help the show if if a lot of people would go give five star reviews, and that's on Apple. Apple does that. The other the, the other places don't, but Apple does. So please go there and give the show a five star review. Also, if the show has been a blessing, please share it. Uh, let others know about the podcast. All right, I really would appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Paul Robinson, and until next time, God bless you. Yeah.